Is the Holy Spirit at home in your life? Consider that with us next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Many of us would agree that we're to love the sinner but hate the sin. Truth be told, many today don't really hate the sin, and some even secretly love it. But sin is extremely dangerous, and that comes to light today on Abounding Grace. We've been making our way through the book of Romans, and in chapter 8, we not only learn about the dangers of sin and how to avoid being destroyed by it, but also our solemn responsibility and obligation to live a holy life. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I believe as God is moving us from glory to glory and strength to strength as a church, that he wants to purify his church. He wants to see, he wants to see us, we'll come back to this attitude. Look at Revelation 14, speaking of the 144,000 in verse 3. They were so excited, so full of joy, they sang a new song before the throne before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they were virgins. And these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Isn't that your heart? I just want to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. I don't want to be defiled. I don't want to have bitterness and poison in my heart. I don't want to be upset and frustrated living in the flesh, living for the flesh. I just want to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And what a difference it makes when the Holy Spirit of God is at home in your life, dwelling in you. Not only do we have the Spirit in us, but the Spirit of God has you, working in you, working through you, following the Lamb wherever He goes, listening closely for His voice. Back in Romans now, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is so sweet as I believe the Holy Spirit's using it in our lives to grow in Him. And you wonder, why is my life so mediocre? Why is my desire for the things of God begin to diminish and vanish? Could it be that you're harboring things in your life and in your heart and in your mind that are incompatible so that when you're in the flesh, you set your mind on the flesh and then spiritual things are insignificant and you just don't seem to care like you used to. You just don't seem to care. The enemy has got us, and we don't want him. We don't want him to have us. We don't want to be deceived, although it's possible to be deceived. We, we don't want to be lied to. We don't want to buy the lies. We want to live in the truth. We don't want to have this attitude of unforgiveness. We don't want to have this attitude where, well, I'm just going to do things my way. We want the Spirit of God to live and dwell in us. Notice, he says in verse 10 of Romans 8, if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin. This temporary body of ours, it's not meant to last forever, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
And he does. Listen, this is the Spirit of God that has raised Jesus from the dead. Don't allow the resurrection just to become, well, it's just a Christian thing. We know Jesus lived, died, and rose again. It's a powerful thing to be risen from the dead. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's crazy powerful. When's the last time you saw someone rise from the dead? That's power. That's God's power. And the Spirit of God that rose and brought Jesus back to life is the very same Spirit of God that dwells in you. That's power. That's strength. Notice he says, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He'll bring life into you. That which has been lost and dead due to sin, the Spirit of God will give life through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. Believe that, church. If you live according to the flesh, we'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, just following the Lamb wherever He goes, led by the Spirit of God. Notice it doesn't say pushed by the Spirit of God, prodded by the Spirit of God, but just led. You see, you hear, you respond. These are the sons of God. How do I deal with my temptations then? How do I deal with these sinful tendencies, all these habits, these thoughts, this carnality, this frustration? Here's the key, and it's so cool. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That very same Spirit. He lives in you and will give life to you in those areas that are dead. He'll give life. He'll put strength in your life to put to death the deeds of the body. Freedom and victory through the Spirit, the very power of God living in you, overcoming your flesh. We'll give you a sneak peek in Romans chapter 8. Flip ahead to verse 37. I mean, it's not something that you're on your own here. And, well, I'm just going to have to really dig in, Ed. And, and, and there's a big issue in my life right now. I'm just going to have to dig in, and I'm going to jump in, and I'll take care of it, Ed. I hear you loud and clear. I'm going to go out, and I'm just going to win this battle. You know what? You're going to fall on your face. You need the Spirit of God, yielding to Him, led by Him, empowered by Him. Listen, verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. The victory is ours in Jesus Christ. The victory is yours right now. Problem is some of you don't want victory. You've become accustomed with their flesh. You've become accustomed with living in the flesh. You've become accustomed in this area of your life. This is as far as you want to go. You don't want to go any farther. You don't want any more. This is it. This is where you're at. I'm fine with it, Ed. This is as much Christianity as I really want. I don't want to grow that much. I don't really want to go that far. And you've become accustomed in this little pool of mediocrity. And that's all you want now. I'm just going to be a Sunday Christian, Ed. That's me. I'm going to be here on Sundays. I'll be fine. I'll be there on the weekend. I might even serve a little bit. But I don't want to grow anymore. And yet, listen, listen. Is that not the flesh speaking or what? Of course we want to grow. We want to battle these areas. We want to walk in the victory. We are more than conquerors. We're not just some conqueror. God, he has made us more than conquerors. Why? Because he's the conqueror, and we live in his victory. His victory is ours, day by day. I mean, the Holy Spirit at home in your life, he lives in you. Usually things are attacked a little different way, aren't they? Especially in our world today. When there's great difficulties beating people up and taking people down, the way the world likes to do it, and it's even crept into the church, is let's focus on the problem. Let's focus on the problem. Let's make sure we hit the problem, nail on the head. You know, we know the problem. We're going to focus on the problem. And then the world will even begin to identify you by that problem, huh? And now you've become an addict. And maybe you struggle with alcohol. Now you're an alcoholic. 
And maybe you're frustrated and you're angry all the time and you're just now an angry person. You're an angry man, an angry woman. And now the sin that's bound you up, it becomes your identity. Because that's what the world's always saying. That's who you are. That's what you do. That's, that's how you live. That's who you are. And if you're not careful, you know what will happen? You hear that over and over again, you'll start to believe it. Well, I guess I am then. I guess there's really no hope for me. I'm just going to live in this the rest of my life. I was going to have this forever. You're right. That's what I am. You're right. Every time now, now as a Christian, when you've been delivered, you have a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ, and now you have a new identity in Jesus Christ, and then you fall back into some sin. You also fall back, perhaps, into that identity. You go, well, I'm not even going to look to the Lord on this because this is where I am. This is where I'm always going to be, and Christianity just doesn't work. But, friend, it does as God works in you and through you. I mean, seriously. As we look to him, he changes us and he burns a new identity into our hearts to give us delivery and deliverance from, well, from the struggle. That's the glory of a testimony, what God has done. That's why when we have testimony nights here on Wednesday nights, this pulpit becomes a place of what God has done, not what we have done. So look what God has done in my life. He's done this in my life. He's delivered me from this. And oh, I was right ready. I was almost going to fall off the edge. I was going to run away from the Lord. I was done with it. And then God intervened and he gets all the glory for great things he has done and continues to do in our lives. And I'll just tell you from my perspective who I am, I can stand here today and I can say with absolute certainty and absolute authority that I, Ed Taylor, am not an alcoholic. I can say that with no problem. There was a segment of my life where I was given over to alcohol and drugs. I mean, that was my life. That's what I lived for. I breathed for it. I woke up for it. I went to bed with it. That was my life. And it would have been very easy, and I like to peg me. That's an alcoholic, right? That guy right there, man, he's bound. He's done in. There's no hope for that guy. I mean, we got to get him on some system. we got to get him on a plan. I mean, he needs some help. He needs some daily attention. And I can say today, no, I'm not an alcoholic. Is that because I haven't taken a drink in 16 years? No. Is it because I haven't gone into a bar in 16 years? No. Is it because I've just been really strong, man, and every time the temptation comes up, I'm going to say no to it? No, that's not why. You want to know why, how it's possible? Because Jesus Christ has delivered me from sin and death. <laughs> Amen. It's not some plan. It's not some program. It's not even some man or woman that's come into my life. Jesus Christ has delivered me from sin and death. Period. And he's done the same in you. I'm no different. Just because I'm facing you right now doesn't mean anything. It's the same testimony I give when I sit there and worship with you or listen to a Bible study from one of our guest teachers. You are delivered by the power of God, friends. You are delivered. You know, it's amazing because... You look at life and you think, well, some of you, the struggle isn't every day. You know, you're like, well, well, you know, you know, Ed, what is this? I don't understand. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I haven't struggled for, you know, for me, it's been five minutes. I've been free for five minutes or five days or five months or five years. And you think about the credit that we sometimes take for the power of God in our lives. Well, well I've been okay for five years Ed, and then I fell again. Well, what do you mean? You've been okay for five years. How do you think you've been okay for five years? God working in you, the power of God, the Spirit of God cleansing you and changing you and empowering you and dwelling you and sealing you and the guarantee of your salvation. Think about it. Oh, I am thinking about it, Ed, and I think it's just too simple. 
You're being too simple here. Come on. Are you in the trenches with people like this? <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. Of course I am. I wouldn't say it's so simple, although I would agree that it is simple. It really is simple. The simplicity of faith. I want you to contrast the simplicity of your faith in Jesus Christ to save your soul. You heard the gospel. Your heart was convicted. There was an invitation to pray and to receive Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him and believe in Jesus Christ for what? The salvation of your eternal soul. And that's how you live every day. I believe in Jesus. I believe in him today. He saved my soul. I trust him. I live for him. That's my life. So why is it then when temptations and sexual sin and fleshly tendencies come our way, we stop trusting God? Because God, he says, the spirit of life that lives in you, the power that raised Jesus from the dead through simple faith, believing today. I mean the Holy Spirit at home in your life, just loving the Lord, just hanging out with him and enjoying his word and prayer, you know, getting up in the morning and before you ever go take a shower or ever put a pot of coffee on, before any activity, you're just like, Lord, this is a good day. This is the day that you have made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. I love you so much. You've saved my soul. It's so good to be saved. It's so good to be delivered. It's so good to walk in your victory today. It's so good to be a new person. It's so good to know that old person has died and been buried with you, Jesus. And a new person has risen. I remember my water baptism. That was the picture of going down in the waters, being washed. I said, coming up, a new creation, and just enjoying. And not focusing on the sin, and not focusing on the struggle, but looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I want to close today in John chapter 8. Would you turn there with me? One of the greatest illustrations of the freedom that you and I have in Jesus, the freedom that you can walk in today. I really believe, guys, and I know you've heard it over and over again, but God has such great things in store for us. He has such great things in store for you as a believer, your marriage, your kids, your singleness, the newness, perhaps you're coming in off of a really difficult situation and you're getting back on your feet and you're wanting new direction and you want new hope and there's so much ahead for you, but I'll tell you, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit, you're going to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit when you live in fleshly sin, when you allow it in your life, when you dabble in it, when you mess around with it, when you see how close you can get without going over. So I'll just get really close here. You send out a little email, you get on a little chat, your eyes get caught and you go back to that and the enemy, man, he just wants to destroy you. Even as the religious rulers here wanted to destroy this woman, they didn't care about this woman. This woman caught in the midst of adultery, we read. It says in verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. I mean, right in the act. I mean, she's in the middle of it, man. They set her in the midst there. And I could just see the scene, can't you? Just throw her down there. Here she is. Do something with her, Jesus. And notice, they already know what they want. It says, teacher, this woman, verse 4, was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? I mean, I could see it, can't you? So what do you say, Jesus? They don't care. And we know if it wasn't for the next verse, we still understand. They came here to mess with Jesus. They came here to test him. They came here to try to get him in his words. They don't have the right of capital punishment right now. The Romans took it away from them. We're testing him. Some of you are messing with Jesus. 
living in sexual sins. And what are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do? And he says, notice, he just stoops down in verse 6. He wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now Jesus is messing with them. Would you like that? <laughs> I mean, you got to get a picture of Jesus. He's radical, man. I love Jesus. He's here, and there's a big scene, and he just plays it off. You ever have somebody ignore you? Doesn't it tick you off, man? It's like, listen to me. And he's just like writing something down, you know. Maybe he's whistling. I don't know. It doesn't give you permission to mess with people, all right? Jesus can, though. <laughs> you know, those of you that have that little streak in you, I know you. Verse 7, so they continued asking him. He raised himself up and said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Oh, that's true, isn't it? And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Maybe you know of someone that's been caught in sexual sin. You got the rocks in your hands? Is that how you're going to deal with it? Ready to stone them? Because you're so hurt? Because it's so painful? Because you were wronged? And you're the first to find the stones. I want you to picture in your mind when they stone a person in Old Testament times, they didn't stone them with the little rocks that we do our landscaping with. They stoned them with the biggest rock that they possibly could carry. And they didn't throw the rocks. They would walk over and drop the rocks with great anticipation of being right for God. And, and there's so much stoning going around in, in the church today. We're so good with the stones. We're so good with finding out other people's sins and we need to have a heart like Jesus had. There's no condemnation. I don't believe the Holy Spirit's brought this up today for you to leave here condemned. I know he didn't, but purified. And also to leave here with the knowledge and the encouragement that, you know, you are free in Jesus Christ. You're free. You're free. You are free. And if you make a choice to go back to those things, then understand the consequences that will come. But you're free. Notice, notice, he says, Jesus, well, he, those who heard it were convicted by their conscience. They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, because Jesus busted them. I love it. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And that's where you want to be when you're busted and you're caught. You want to be alone with Jesus, just you and him, transacting spiritual business with him, saying, Here I am, Lord. I was caught, I was busted. I'm right here. Here I am. It's just me and you, Jesus. I need you. I need your encouragement. And when he had raised up, verse 10, from saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Don't, read, don't misread that. Jesus isn't finger-pointing at her. Go and sin no more, woman. How dare you? You've lived in adultery your whole life. How could you? I know how easy it was for them to find you because I know you personally, and your whole life has been marked by sexual sin. Now just go and sin no more. That's not what happened here. Not at all. I think they were the gentle, sweet, encouraging words of a Savior that says, no accusers, no condemnation. Go. Sin no more. I think he was telling her, listen, you don't have to live this life anymore. This doesn't have to be you. You are not an adulteress. You are a washed clean woman. I don't condemn you. Go. And as you're going, sin no more.
God's command, his enablement. He says to us at Calvary Chapel, go and sin no more. Walk in the purity and the freedom that you have in Jesus. He says, where are your accusers? They're not here, Lord. I know, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Think about that. <laughs> Go and sin no more, Lord. I'm free. Those words from Jesus weren't a burden to carry for her, but a blessing to enjoy. Woman, you don't have to live bound up and tied down by that sin any longer. You are free. And the same is true for you, Calvary Chapel. You don't have to live bound up and tied down by that sin any longer. You are free. Live in the newness of life, washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're going through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. But before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, you just got back from Israel. I was wondering if you could speak to the person that's maybe thinking about going to the Holy Land, but hasn't yet. What are some of the benefits of taking a trip like this? You know, Larry, I am still jet-lagging as this question is being asked. We just got back from a 10-day tour to the whole what they call the Holy Land, and we start right there in Tel Aviv, go into Joppa, we go north, and we go south— and the advantages of going to Israel are amazing. Well, you know, our pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, he's, he was the man that God used to begin the Calvary Chapel movement. He used to teach us, well, he taught my pastor, Jeff, and Jeff taught me, and I get to teach you, that a trip to Israel is like a year of Bible college. And I wholeheartedly agree, you gain so much walking the land, seeing the sites, being exactly where the Bible took place. The, the black and white and red letters on the pages of your Bible become full color after a trip to Israel. And I'd encourage you, take advantage of it and go as soon as you can. Uh, you learn so much uh, history, topography, uh, you get to stand. Uh, you know, some places are kind of touristy, um, but they're in the general area. But some places are what they are, like the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it is there. And they've had so much rainfall that the Sea of Galilee was full. And, and there was very little room around one of the stops that we, we take to do devos at the Sea of Galilee. And whether it's Galilee region, Capernaum, uh, whether you go up into the city of Jerusalem there on the Temple Mount or visit the Temple Institute, um, man, the, a trip to the state of Israel, to the country of Israel, will change the way you read the Bible forever. You know, whether you're sitting on the southern steps uh, where Jesus and his disciples often went into the temple area, or you're down at the Pool of Siloam, or you're at the Pools of Bethesda, or you are uh, wherever you might be, you never read the Bible the same again. So I'd encourage you, if your church goes to Israel, pray. It is worth—it is, it is a Bible vacation, if you will, and it is worth the investment. Uh, you will not regret going. So thanks for asking, and uh, we've got a trip going on in 2021, Lord willing, unless the Lord returns, and that would be much better.
It sounds like you had a wonderful time, and the Lord used it in a mighty way. Do you want to be used by God? I hope your answer is yes, and if so, you'll want to get a copy of Pastor Chuck Smith's book called The Man God Uses. It's our featured resource here in the month of March. Pastor Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of the lukewarm gospel, and the secret to the apostle's boldness in the man God uses. He also underscores 14 characteristics to be found in the people God uses throughout the scriptures. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work. You'll be helping people all across the nation to become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Romans. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 